Good morning. 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 Welcome to the Men's Round Table. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Guys, we continue in the series this morning in Isaiah, restoring pieces. But before we do that, let me uh, let me mention. I hope he's tuned in this morning. Ricky Davis. He is. Ricky was back here this morning. Ricky, brother, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Ricky's in the hospital this morning, uh, had knee surgery uh, two, three weeks ago, three, three or four weeks ago now, uh, recovering and uh, suspect from blood thinners. Uh, he began having some GI bleeding and they're trying to get that under control. He's had to take several units of blood. Ricky is one of those guys that, if you've been to Deer Camp, he was at Deer Camp. Marshall, I'm sure you remember him. But Ricky's behind the scenes. He's in the kitchen. He's in there cooking with George. He's not out in, in, in the pavilion with other guys sharing stories. He's one of the worker bees that makes Deer Camp successful. He's an integral part of men's community. Brother, we love you. We're with you. Get well soon. So what is uh, Men's Roundtable? You know, I, in, in my own personal walk, um, I find myself at odd times in the middle of the night picking up my phone and found a Bible app that I've been using for years and was reading through it. And Phil has mentioned this verse or verses several times before. I'd like to take the opportunity to read it this morning. It gives me a little bit of a grounding for what Men's Roundtable is about. Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit, in the, fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Welcome to Rens Roundtable. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, humbly Lord, is your servants, is your people. I pray especially for Ricky, who's joining us online. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray you would put your healing hand upon him, guide the doctors and medical staff to restore his health, and bring it back to us. Lord, I thank you for the men that are here, families that are represented. Thank you for Phil and the leadership team and the work that they do. I thank mm -hmm. you for C Spire, the breakfast that's been provided, the mm -hmm. coffee. Mm -hmm. Lord, we're here to worship you. Open our hearts. Mm -hmm. Open our ears. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good to be back uh, with you uh, after a trip to um, the mountains of uh, East Tennessee. As my good friend Robert Morgan says that uh, I went to high school with, and Robert was a very gifted pastor and author. When asked about where he grew up, he says, uh, I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee where God made the sun shine and we made the moon shine. <laughs> so, I, so I plagiarized my uh, good friend, uh, Robert Morgan. You know, a pastor can say that, uh, Bob, and get away with it. So um, I am... Um, excited uh, to be with you this morning again after having spent uh, last week uh, helping my sister uh, with our 94 year old uh, daddy recovering from his third heart attack. He's too mountain stubborn uh, uh, to go home just yet and um, he um, has uh, fought his way back to recovery and he got to go home, not home home. We thought he would be home home by now but he got to go uh, uh, back to his house uh, yesterday. So he's doing very, very well. But it was um, a special time um, to be with him at this stage in my life. And 
the stage of life he's in, 94 years old. I, I asked Papa, and that's that's what I call him, you know, since the grandkids came on, he's been known as Papa for the last several years. And I asked Papa, I said, Papa, is there any other hardened man that has lived as long as you have? And he thought for a minute, he said, no, not even close. <laughs> and then and then we started going back through his brothers and uh, his uncles, which would be my great uncles, of course, and all that. And, you know, 54, 59, 63, 67. I think that's as high as we got. And so he's kind of uh, rung the bell and won the teddy bear, 94 years old. So pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing. So, um, and in a sense, guys, uh, the song that I want to offer you is in honor of my dad. Because for all of us, um, our dads are special. Um, there's nobody that can bring us uh, the most joy and nobody that can wound us like our daddies. You know, as I've worked uh, with men for years, uh, you get a group of guys talking about their life and being honest about their life and their relationship with their daddy is gonna be a part of that story. It, it always is. And the song that I wanna offer you this morning is by Chris Tomlin. Um, and it ties into what we're gonna talk about this morning. And uh, the title of the song is Nobody Loves Me Like You. And when we're little guys, our daddy's is God. Um, bigger than life. And then as we go through the developmental stage, we start to get to about five or six, and then we can start to kind of do abstract thinking a little bit, and we can start to understand God a little bit. But initially, God is our daddy. The words to the song, just briefly, I see you in the, uh, uh, I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you've painted for me, a love letter in the sky story. I could have had a really different story, but you came down from heaven to restore me forever saved my life. The love of the Father. May you hear the voice of God. <clears throat>
Amen, amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, we continue in our series on Isaiah and the power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. We begin with Isaiah 58, 12, and actually we'll be looking at this chapter in whole uh, today. 58, 12 of Isaiah says, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. And again, guys, your past is significant in what God wants to do in your life today. Somehow, as I've said to you before at different times, I used to think that growing as a Christian was primarily about learning more um, of the Bible, leading people to Jesus, and doing as many good things as I could. Now, those are all important. I don't want to discount any of those. But I now understand more clearly that what God has wanted to do in my life is take my past and use it to build something new and beautiful. And I've got to look at my past in order to embrace my future. Now you think about that. You cannot be the man that God wants you to be unless you begin to look at your past, move toward forgiveness, forgiving those that have hurt you, and uh, begin to, to allow God to restore re relationships that have been ruptured by our own uh, uh, failures and sinfulness or even by theirs. Sometimes I am the hurt-er and sometimes I am the hurt-e, right? You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. God is restoring. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. But biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. That love relationship, that connection will shape you more than if you just know the rules of the game. I mean, the Pharisees knew that. The devil is said to, uh, described in scripture as knowing the scriptures. But a secure relationship with the living God is what truly changes us. <laughs> The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah, but in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So this morning, the piece of the puzzle that we're looking at is being aware of energy in relationships and understanding attachment styles. So look over, um, as Jeff flashes this up, this idea of the transformation puzzle. Again, what I've offered to you through this series is uh, three major pieces of a puzzle. It's like that, you know, kindergarten puzzle, first grade puzzle, three big pieces into a kindergartner. You know, that's a challenge. Get the pieces in the puzzle. The three big pieces um, in terms of our true heart change is number one, beginning to walk with God. If I sit down with you and I ask you, how's your walk with God? My guess is that that would elicit some kind of shame and guilt immediately because none of us, none of us, walk with God the way we would like to, the way we want to. But my hope is, is that you've grown enough to know God's grace that you'd say, you know, I'm not where I want to be, and I'm sure not where I used to be, but I'm on the way. 
to becoming what God designed me to be. How about that? Intimate walk with God. Intimate walk with God. Not, it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's why Jesus died. But I'm walking with God. Walking with God. And then the second big piece of the puzzle is being a part of community. Being a part of church. Being a part of men knowing your life. Um, being known by others. One anotherness. Active. Who do you have on your speed dial? You got those three guys, you know, as we always talk about, a life team is made up of four, you and three others. So who's on your life team? I'm a part of a community. And then, and then the third big piece are these skills. We call them brain skills. or It's like these are the things that we need to be growing in. So now that third big piece is broken into 19 smaller pieces. And we've been going through these 19 smaller pieces. And now today we come to piece 16 and piece 17. And 16 is this idea of understanding the energy in relationships. When I walk into a room, you feel an energy from me. When I walk into your presence, I feel an energy from you. What is that? And, and many of us are so clueless, you know, we don't even know. So let me give you an example of this. Sitting in my counseling uh, office with a couple uh, trying to recover from an affair. He um, committed adultery. They came to see me. Um, and um, she's willing to take him back if they'll do the work. And what we've been working on is what she feels around him and what she has felt for years is a distance and just a preoccupation with his job. In other words, he's been detached um, and out of touch with intimacy for years, but clueless. And guess where that got him? He was walking toward an affair way before he ever met, met his affair partner, didn't even know it because his energy was disconnected. He was unaware. And she was asking for more connection, for more connection. And the only thing that he could understand that that meant was sex. I want to have more sex. He didn't want to have more sex. Not, she wasn't opposed to sex, but it was about energy in the relationship. He was distant and he didn't understand what that energy really meant. And so we've been working on what it means to be present. What does it mean to be present? When you walk into your home, will you be present? Now you'll be physically there, but will you be present? And we'll tease that out a little more this morning. But energy. And then number 17 are attachment styles. Identifying attachment styles. And we'll go through that. So pick up your pen, let's go to work. No passive attenders this morning, engage. Too much passivity in our uh, lives as men. Passive men and angry wives, be my next book. Next book. <laughs> Question number one, let's journal. Who do you truly enjoy being around? I want you to write that down for a minute. Who do you really, really enjoy being around? And maybe if you get lucky, somebody might write your name down. Don't overreach. Don't overreach. So who do you really enjoy being around? And why is that? Why, why do you enjoy being around that person? Just jot down a word or phrase. What, what is it that is enjoyable about that person? And then part B of that question, who's a buzzkill to be around? Oh, wow, that, that ought to be easy. Who's a buzzkill? It's like, doggone it. There he is. There she is. Buzzkill. Why is that? 
Why is that? And then, and then I would just ask you for a little self-assessment. Where are you? Are you the guy that uh, uh, glad to be seen and be with, or are you the buzzkill? Okay. And what I'm suggesting, guys, is that that is about energy. And um, energy in a relationship, um, high energy is produced when we're experiencing joy, anger, and fear. That that can produce a high sense of energy. Um, and, and I would just say that when we say joy, what, what I like to equate joy to is just welcome. Um, I certainly want to feel a sense of welcome, uh, both extended to you and received from you. And um, I want to walk around every day experiencing the joy of the Lord, of being connected to Jesus. And that's a joy. That's a welcome. And then when I when I get angry, there's a lot of energy there. When I get fearful, there's a lot of energy. But in terms of energy, the the emotions that that create low energy is sadness. Ever been in grief? You know, of course. And what's that like? It's like buzzkill. And, and you don't have to apologize, of course, for the buzz kill in that. It's like, you know, I lost uh, my dad. I lost my mom. I lost my wife. I lost my dog. Sadness. Um, disgust is a low energy producer. Shame. Ever felt a great deal of shame? Now, the gravitational pull when you're feeling shame, you're ashamed of what you've done. What do you want to do? You just want to pull the shades down, close the door, right, Jeffrey? It's like, man, I don't want to be seen and I don't want to see anybody. I'm just ashamed. And then, and then, and then of course, hopelessness. I feel hopeless. Low energy. Now, guys, Again, growing in Christ is a journey of learning to love. The, the greatest indication that you are a believer in Jesus is that you're becoming a better lover, that you love better, that you receive love, that you're connected. And energy is part of that, although we don't use that language. Again, you know, I'm a counselor. I use that kind of cycle babble language a little bit but I'm inviting you to be more aware. You, you walk into your house and you carry an energy. And I would just ask you, is it refreshing or is it like toxic mold when you walk into your house? Um, I wanna illustrate this with um, um, a story about Pooh, Piglet, and Eeyore. This is a men's group, so I'm trying to dumb it down a little bit, you know. <laughs> I don't want to get uh, too lofty, so we're going to talk about Pooh, Piglet, and Eeyore. Listen to this. It occurred to Pooh and Piglet that they hadn't heard from Eeyore for several days. So they put on their hats and coats and trotted across the hundred-acre wood to Eeyore's stick house. And inside the house was Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore in a glum-sounding voice. We just thought we'd check in on you, said Piglet, because we hadn't heard from you, and so we wanted to know if you were okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment. Am I okay? He asked eventually. Well, I don't know. To be honest, are any of us really okay? That's what I ask myself. All I can tell you, Pooh and Piglet, is that right now I feel really rather sad and alone 
and not much fun to be around at all. Which is why I haven't bothered you. Because you wouldn't want to waste your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, would you now? And Pooh looked at Piglet, and Piglet looked at Pooh, and they both sat down, one on either side of Eeyore in his stick house. Eeyore looked at them in surprise. What are you doing? We're sitting here with you, said Pooh, because we are your friends. And true friends don't care if someone is feeling sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. And so we are here. Oh, said Eeyore, oh. And the three of them sat there in silence. And while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow, almost imperceptibly, Eeyore started to feel a very tiny little bit better because Pooh and Piglet were there. Guys, we need to be there. Say less and just be there. And that's what energy is about. Be present. Be present. Be there. I mean, that through the little story of Pooh, Piglet, and Eeyore, is that not Job chapter 2 at the end of that chapter? Do you remember that passage? You know, um, Job's friends heard what was going on with Job. They showed up at his house, and the passage says that when they got there, they didn't even recognize Job. He was in such bad shape. Didn't even recognize him. And for seven days, they were there. And they said nothing. They were there. And then they started talking and then it got stupid in a hurry. <laughs> There's a big lesson in that. Question number two. What do you value in a relationship? I you to write that down for a minute. Think about that for a minute. What do you value in a relationship? What do you value in a relationship? Now, I want to share this uh, uh, attachment styles with you to help you understand what a healthy relationship looks like. There are four attachment styles. I want you to be able to assess where you are. And these attachment styles come out of our past. Again, it's like we were saying out of Isaiah 58, 12, you got to look back at your past Look at that family of origin oftentimes and see what you learned about relationships. Now, what we're always measuring in relationships is how you do emotion. So you can draw this vertical north to south pole and how we're uh, dealing with anxiety um, west to east. And where, where we're trying to get to um, of course, this is low emotion or, or, or um, regulating. This is really high or reactive emotion. This is low anxiety. And this is high, high anxiety. Now, as you look at, the, at, at those four quadrants, which quadrant do you think would be the most preferred? Think about it for a minute. Which quadrant out of those four would be the most preferred? 
All right, bottom left, Chris. Um, we've got um, quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, and of course, quadrant four. And it is quadrant one that is the secure attachment to where we have low emotion or low reactivity and low anxiety. This guy doesn't take anxiety medication, and you can actually have a conversation with him without him biting your head off. Secure attachment. Now, here's, here's a secure attachment description. Secure allows freedom. You can do or say whatever you want to say. I may not like it, and, and then I get to choose what I'm going to do, but, but you have the freedom. I'm, I'm not going to control you. A secure attachment sees the other, not self-absorbed, you know, but actually sees the other, that you actually feel respected by the other person. High level of empathy that I can put myself in your shoes um, is honest or a truth teller. Respect mutually and reciprocally. There's lots of respect in the relationship. Handles conflict, is willing to talk things through. A high level of EQ or emotional maturity, and then is resilient. That's what a secure relationship looks like. Now, Quadrant number two is this idea of an anxious attachment. Anxious attachment. Fantasy versus reality is demanding, obsessive, clingy, struggles with insecurity, struggles to know himself, doesn't have boundaries and low sense of who he is as a person or she. Lots of anxiety. And then you've got quadrant number four is avoidant. Is dismissive about emotion, emotionally distant, avoids intimacy, uh, a lack of vulnerability, shuts down, appears not to care, and there's few close relationships. In that avoidance. And then and then finally this this quadrant number four is fearful. Fear-based. So again, as you can see, high emotional reactivity and high anxiety, unpredictable, overwhelmed by emotions, fears abandonment experiences highs and lows. It's like the roller coaster in few close relationships. Now, we could spend, I could do a whole series on this, of course. This is just a brief um, analysis of attachment styles, but where do you come in? And maybe more importantly than when, where you come in, are you growing in being a secure person? so you can be in a healthy relationship. And I assure you that if you are, then you do carry an energy that is welcoming and safe uh, for other people. But oftentimes, again, in, in our Christian world, we can learn the Bible verses, know the Bible verses, uh, serve others, help others, but we don't know how to do relationships. And it's about relationships. That's what life is. So we want to grow in this idea of being a secure person. So the third question I would ask you, how do you need to grow in building better relationships? How do you need to grow in building better relationships? Now, let me go through once again, the secure relationship description. 
when you suggest that this would be a wise way to begin to grow. Allows freedom. Allows freedom. Now there's boundaries in freedom, but I'm not trying to box you in. You you can move move about, but if if you choose to move in a direction, then at the same time I get to choose which direction I'm going to move in. So there's freedom. I see the other. You're not listening to me. You don't, you don't even see, see the other. Validation is what we call that. I value and respect the other person, no matter what the other person says. I don't agree with it. Again, validation is not agreement. It just simply says, I value and respect that that's your position, but if you continue to hold that position, then my position is my position. Everybody gets their position. Validation. High level of empathy. I can put myself in the other person's shoes. Can you do that? Empathy. Honest, truth-telling. What secrets do you hold? You're not a secure person. Secrets destroy. Secrets kill intimacy. What about respect in the relationship? Handles conflict? Can, can you sit and talk with your wife or a friend and have a reasonable conversation? I mean, is it not um, uh, worthy to think that we could put you and your wife in a room, close the door, and invite you to talk about any topic and come back in an hour, and you guys would have had a reasonable conversation? Dude, for some of you guys, it'd look like two bobcats uh, in there. It's like... Wow, a lot of noise going on in there. Handles conflict, high uh, emotional quotient, understanding your emotions, and resilient, flexible, as opposed to reactive. Ever met somebody that has no resilience in a relationship? They can't adapt. They can't adjust. They don't get their way. It's crazy. Secure attachment. Guys, I want to show you a, a clip um, that in a sense is the story of my life with my dad. Um, again, you know, there's no relationship in my life that has pushed me and stretched me to grow like my dad. He's given me uh, so much um, in his own uh, giftedness and brokenness. And then he has wounded me greatly. And, you know, I, uh, at this stage in my life, and I sat, as I sat with him in his rehab room all last week, that's what I did every morning. I just you know, went and sat with him all day long. And we just sat. Uh, he told me stories that I've never heard. Um, I think it was part of the medication. And I was thinking, you know, we should have medicated him a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he told me about Uncle Guy shooting mama, uh, 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 Mamaw in the back of the uh, of the lake. I mean, I'd never heard that story. It's like, wow, Uncle Guy is pretty good with a shotgun. I, I don't know if he did it on purpose or shot uh, Mama uh, in the back of the lake. Um, but man, uh, there's been so much um, anger and so much healing and so much forgiveness in my life because of my relationship with my dad. And I think that's kind of the way God works in all of our lives. Our, our dads are just broken like we are, and we are dads. And, I, and I've wounded my girls deeply. So I want to show you a, a clip out of the movie Click. And uh, Adam uh, Sandler plays a character named Michael. And Michael is an architect, and man, he's a hard charger, and he is working, working, working hard. And in his mind, he's doing all of his hard work for his family. So this family miss him they don't have him and he's trying to watch a, a film for um, um uh, a job situation his clicker goes bad he goes to get a new clicker and a mysterious man meets him and offers him a free clicker but he said be be careful and so this clicker has the ability to change life and he can fast forward and move to parts of his life and he can rewind and he can do all kinds of things with this clicker 
And now he's fully in charge of his own life and that has its own complications. So the scene that I'm gonna show you is where uh, Michael is in the scene, but Michael with the clicker is also in the scene. So you'll see both uh, the um, Michael with the clicker and then Michael in his real life. And he's having an, uh, an episode with his dad. Watch this. Hey, Dad. Sorry to uh, bug you. Would you mind looking at my uh, my shopping mall design again? This one is cheaper. But if you check this out, you'll see it has Whoa. a much better natural flow. Cheaper one. one. Like I said, I just let me do my email. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dad. Um, he ain't right. You're a schmuck. Better. Look at it. Surprise. Hey, Grandpa. Oh, my God. <laughs> when did you get so handsome? So, Michael, I had a wonderful idea. Your mother's playing canasta with her friends tonight. I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. You, me, and Ben should go and have a boys' night out. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to eat sometime. We could go, we could whistle at pretty girls. <laughs> I'm down for that. See, he's down. I don't know what it means, but he's down. <laughs> hey, please. Don't give me that finger. I'll make you a deal. If you come, I'll show you the quarter trick. Will you look at the man? I'll tell you the secret. No, Dad. Don't you want to know how I you do the stupid trick? I've always known. Can you let me do my work? You've always known. You're pathetic. <laughs> I'm so sorry I barged in. I love you, son. See you later, Grandpa. I love you. Dad. Bob. Bob. Too dead. I'll miss you. You know that. Goodbye. Guys, life is about relationship. It's real. Cut out the anger, move toward forgiveness. I truly thought that I would be standing before you this morning telling you about the funeral that we had for my dad. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he was right on the edge and he was ready to go home. Told my sister he was ready to go home and we were, we were glad for him to go home. And um, as I said, he's too mountain stubborn uh, to go home just yet. And yet I'm here telling you uh, that I had the privilege of um, just sitting with my dad for three days in a rehab center. And he told stories about World War II and high school sports and we just talked. And I kept thinking about all of the angry moments that I had with him, I had with him, and how his uh, brokenness 
had wounded me so deeply. And yet how uh, my own brokenness had wounded my own girls so deeply. And how much a journey forgiving him and moving toward forgiveness and loving him had been for me. It has stretched me. Because that is the way it is for all of us. It's just life. You've been wounded. There's people that have offended you, hurt you. There's people that you've hurt. And man, when you cannot work with forgiveness, you are one arrogant SOB. I say that with all due respect. And I are one, have been. And guys, that's what the gospel is about. Who do you think you are? <laughs> who, do, who do I think I am? I'm a broken man. I love you in all your brokenness. I love you. Can you say that to those who have offended you and hurt you? Can you receive that to those who have offended you? I'm sorry. Just to close this morning, Isaiah 58, turning over to Isaiah and again, you know, in God's wonderful wisdom and mercy, he always gives us these characters and these stories to help us in our present day. And Isaiah 58 is an incredible passage to where God is saying to the Israelites, I'm tired of your religious ritual. And all of Isaiah 58 is, is confronting religious ritual primarily around fasting. Let, let me just read the first part of this passage. Isaiah 58, shout, a full-throated uh, shout, hold nothing back, a triumphant blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring, they asked me, what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side? But they also complained, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? I mean, they just going through fasting and other religious ritual to gain God's pleasure. And God said, no, he's basically calling them out on their heart. <clears throat> Your guy's heart's not in it. And the, the whole chapter is just saying, I'm tired of your fasting and other religious ritual. That's not what I'm after. Verse nine, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the dark. Your shattered lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. And then verse 12 that we read earlier, You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of our past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community of livable again. Guys, God is in the business of restoring our heart to those that love well. If we call ourselves Jesus followers, then it is important that we become experts in dealing with this emotional cancer that eats us up, blame and criticism, angry at those who've offended us, that we feel shame about our own lives and we carry around this toxic energy rather than the joy of knowing that we're forgiven and that we are good forgivers. Who do you need to forgive today? That's the gospel. Jesus said, forgive of you as you have been forgiven. And until you realize that everything that has been done to you, you have done to God and others, you will be a grandiose, 
arrogant, uh, godless person in your heart. I had the privilege to sit with my dad. It was a gift. Thank you, God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you um, so much for your love for us, for your fathering of us. Uh, forgive us where we have failed you and failed so many others, our children and those that care about us and love us. Lord, we are uh, broken, broken, broken. And we thank you that you um, graciously, through the gospel, bring us into relationship with you, strong, secure attachment that we may enjoy and welcome others. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys.